Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Drew, and this is the only podcast where we'll guarantee the only thing you'll hear is mediocrity. You're a host too, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay, I just didn't want people at home to be confused. It's like our 97th episode. It's... (laughs) I don't think there's any confusion. If people are listening or person is listening, they're they're well aware of the roles we we fill. Yeah. And we appreciate you. Yeah. <clears throat> we do. Drew, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the second episode of Rebels. Mm. Mm. And uh yes. maybe one or two listener questions. Yes. I also um was listening to another star wars podcast how dare you the dagobah dispatch i believe okay and uh give you some ideas about how to do it how to do what a star wars podcast it's one way did you did you take notes like oh we should be we should do this i didn't care enough to take notes that was that was our thing oh Okay. Uh, the reason I was listening to it was that Dave Filoni, who's now the creative head of Star Wars, yeah, um, explained a little tale. bit more about like like the Sabine Wren becoming Force sensitive. Oh, uh, scenario. So I want spoilers. To touch on that, people. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. Yep. Uh, I I'm glad that you stuck with it. Like I like, like that you get so annoyed like it if, by it. <laughs> if we were to speak about something that happened, and someone in the people listening to this podcast didn't know about it, like if, that they could somehow bring legal action against us. My favorite part is that it's very low viewership, mm. and I'm mm-hmm. I'm just I'm still looking out. The probability is very low of spoiling something or others not yeah. knowing. Very low. I like to think that at one point, one person was like, oh, phew. I'm going to stop Tom. listening Thank right you, now Tom. so they don't ruin it. Yeah. Thank you. That's for you, friendo. Well, let's start there then. Right. Let's start with Sabine because uh, in Rebels, we probably talked about this, but in Rebels, there was no indication on her part. She was palling around with uh whatever his fucking name is. Ezra Bridger, okay. aka Freddie Prince. Right. As, um Ezra is not voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. That's Kane and Jarris. No, that's what I meant. Well, in right. my mind I pictured Kane and Jarris, regardless of what name I said. Apologies. Okay. You're right. Uh, so he was there. He he noticed it in Canaan noticed it in Ezra immediately. Yep. Had the holocron? Is it? It's a holocron. Yep, repository of information. There it is. An encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. The force. It's one of it's one of those. Um, way back in the day, you you could get uh uh encyclopedia subscription or a just a 
room of encyclopedias, right? Did you have mm-hmm. a book of encyclopedias growing up? We did. We had the yeah the atlas and then the A through Z mm-hmm. section in the house. And up until like, so my parents resisted getting smartphones for a long time. Sure. Technology so scary. I get it. My my sister and I, we would ask them questions. <laughs> like, oh, I I wonder about this. And my dad, who had like any time that we've been we've been doing that since we were teenagers, yeah, would get up and go over to the I kind of love that world books, yeah. And so we would wait until he get over there, then we get out our phones and like look it up and be like, oh, I wonder if it's this. And he then he'd look it up and it was like. Oh, it says here it's Burma. And we were like, yeah, it, ch- it changed its name like 15 years ago <laughs> yeah. in 2004. Yeah, because you had to you had to keep up on it, right? Encyclopedias. Yeah. Those fucking people had a racket. Like we are going <sighs> to print a 27 book edition. And then we're yeah. going to come back to your house every five years and sell you yeah. another one. Hey, we noticed uh, you bought from us last time. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That burn all of that. It's no longer, it's all pointless. Everything changed. Here you go. Yeah. My parents still have like a 2002 edition of the world books sitting on their <laughs> shelf. I liked it. It was handy in school and doing like a, a report, right? Yeah. It was great. But I think that's kind of nice. I would love to be like, I wonder about this. Mm-hmm. And then you just get to go up, find the volume, and get to reading you know and now we're all spoiled of course i will all all what i was driving towards was and then they came out with the encyclopedia britannica on disc right yeah and that's what this holocron is right it's not connected to anything it is all self-containing of the information right like you can't plug it into the uh dsl of the empire or whatever dsl jesus yeah Um, and and update its firmware you would have to get a whole new holocron right yeah basically a holocron is like when you activate the listening option on your phone and you're like hey google it's just a flash drive right how many liters are in a pound my phone actually is just now going off because i said hey google how many liters are in a pound? I don't know. I was just picking something. It's funny to uh, so cross um, measurements like that, right? Volume well, versus. Like, one of my favorite comedians, Nate Bergazzi, was on SNL recently. Yeah. And if yes. Really, oh, my gosh. If you really want to watch a great sketch. <laughs> yes. He does George Washington. Wa- George Washington sketch, and he talks about America's future. Yeah. And how they'll have multiple different systems of measurement yeah. for all these different things and how it doesn't make any sense. It's, like, it's really funny. No kilometers. We use miles. All right. How many yeah. yards are in a mile? Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But how many feet are in a mile? 5,280, yeah. obviously. Just everyone will remember it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, right. So he has this, which can only be opened by the force. Yeah. Basically that's the like key in the lock is if you can reach out and touch this device with the, with force. the force. Okay. Yeah. And then basically it's like, Hey Google, like, yeah. How do I move well, a rock with my brain? Right. Right. So Kanan has this Sabine knows it exists and of it. Hera. 
Hera does. Okay, not Sabine. Nope. That I'm that I know of, but he, sure. he's at the end of the episode. Are they? Are they they're with girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's there's an attraction there. Well, they have a kid eventually, right? That's what that's, that's the kid correct. in uh, <laughs> the Ahsoka yeah. show. Yeah, he's like, hey, I wonder if Ahsoka fell off this cliff. Can you hear the lightsabers in the world beyond worlds? Right. I can. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Kanan's son with Hera. So. Jason. <laughs> right. So in the show, though, there's no, um, no indication up until Ahsoka that Sabine can touch the force correct okay so now what what dave filoni want about it so what he basically supports your your argument like the force is generated by all living things it's present in all living things all things are a part of the force you know and so why wouldn't people be able to touch it or experience it or like train themselves right yeah and so the way the way that he described it was like practicing yoga basically like not everybody out there yeah their circumstances allow them to practice yoga then there are the people that do and this is i think was your point was it would benefit everyday average going star wars citizens to just practice this kind of stuff like in their free time for their own benefit yeah and that was his point like you could people hit me up like dave that could do this but then it becomes like to what degree do you dedicate yourself to this and then he he gave this quote by qui-gon from episode one where it's like you know people who dedicate their life to this you know the study of the force or whatever it's a difficult life it's not easy yeah when he's talking to anakin's mother and you can get better at it <clears throat> You know, and there, but there's no guarantee. So here's my thing, though. We have the term force sensitive. sensitive. So now I don't know where that's where that fits in to people. So mm -hmm. here's here's my thought process. <clears throat> Sabine is force sensitive, and yet still has dedicated herself to the practice of these things. And even though she's not very force sensitive, she's force sensitive enough to quote unquote step across the line. Well, there's degrees of degrees force sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that a canon or a canon? <laughs> yeah. Is that a canon uh, term force sensitive or is that something that us? The, um, the term force sensitive has been used to indicate people are able to touch the force. In varying degrees. Yeah, for as long as I have been a fan of Star Wars. Okay. But again, is that something mentioned in universe or is that something we mention? We as being humans. Um, this plane. It is used in books to indicate whether or not someone has access to the Force. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So it looks like Sabine might be the example of someone who has dedicated themselves to these practices and was force sensitive enough in order to be able to reach out and actually manipulate the force. Is it? Well, I don't know that like anybody could do what she did, though. I have a question. Yeah, all right. One. 
Okay. Okay. The first part's a statement then, if you're only going to give me one. Everybody has an amount of force parasites, right? Like you just can't help it, right? You're born with them. That is, everyone has varying degrees. It doesn't necessarily dictate, I mean, they use it to sort of dictate your power, but it's more like your ease of access to the force. Yeah, it's your bandwidth. So somebody like Sabine, who is born with very little, requires a great amount of tutelage, practice, and concentration to be able to do what Ahsoka can do in a fraction of the effort, essentially. So what she's, what Sabine is doing is squeezing water from a stone. Yeah. It's a pretty decent explanation. Um, Thank you. I would say that that's accurate. Here's, I mean. And it's sort of like, um, because he, because like Anakin or Ahsoka are able to access it more, they're going to be able to, pick up things easier, do potentially greater things with it, or at least it's easier to do it. And Sabine, if she wanted to do some of the things that Ahsoka does, it would take her a lot more intentional thought and practice to do it. Whereas Ahsoka, it wouldn't necessarily. So yes, I agree with, I agree with that to this, to this point. If that is the case, I don't believe that every living thing in the galaxy is force sensitive. Okay. Are some people born without force parasites? No. By that logic, every person is. It's just some are so little that they could never hope to touch it. Hope having the having the force be present in you is not the same thing as being force sensitive. Okay. Okay. So every Jedi Knight and Sith and every member of every force tradition that's ever been that's ever existed in canon and outside of canon are composed of people who are force sensitive. In uh, some de- to some degree they can they can exude their will onto the force and have it do something for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. The force is present in those people in the same way that it's present in people who cannot do what they can do. So there has to be some distinction. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can we hold on one second? I'm not going to hear what you say until I tell you this joke that I just set up. Okay, great. What is Palpatine's favorite work of art? I don't know what the Sith Steenth Chapel. That's awesome. That's a really good joke. Thank you. You should submit that to um, <laughs> some kind of joke review panel. You're the only joke review panel I have. I'm sorry. I was not hearing anything you were saying because I was trying to commit that joke to memory. It just came in there and what it sounded like what you were saying was very interesting. So continue, please. You know what? That joke is so good that I don't want to spoil it by repeating it a ton. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that one in the vault of precious yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And just and throw away the key for a thousand years. <clears throat> what I was saying 
uh, while you were coming up with that doozer I'm sorry. of a joke. Yeah. It just came to me. I didn't even just, I just, it just came to me. Yeah. No, I get it. All right. Sorry. It. That's real, <laughs> real good humor can't be stopped. <laughs> what I'm saying is, yeah, that even though the force is present in all things and it's generated by things being alive, yes, not well, everyone utilizes the force to the same degree inherently, correct? Uh, yes. Anakin Skywalker is different than, say, his mother when it comes to the force to some degree, correct? Yeah. So if that is. <clears throat> what's the distinguishing factor there right so the distinguishing factor is how many midichlorians you have oh, i'm sorry force parasites thank you in your body as opposed to another human being another person another living thing right but yes that is that is um the base right right so there must be some concentration of midichlorians in your in your or force parasites in your body mm -hmm. that at some point it's like this is a real struggle this is a real struggle okay i can do it like there is a line or a precipice or some kind of jumping off point that's like at this point i have enough midichlorians to be able to say untrained i can exert my will on the force right mm -hmm. okay that would be the the point where I would say those people are force sensitive. Sure. So if you can untrained use the force to some degree, like Ezra Bridger jumping with that crate into the back of the ghost. Yeah. Or you're someone like Sabine who has to work at it, work at it, work at it, and then eventually be able to use the force. One of those people is force sensitive. One of those person is not. They both contain the force inside them the degree to which they're able to utilize and communicate with the force is different. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. So what does that mean for Sabine then? Like she's going to be able to do parlor tricks here and there. So master Winkle asked us a question last week. Like what's like, when does a force sensitive person, when does a Jedi Knight like hit their prime? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's a great question, and I think that we can continue that yeah. line of thought here, which is that no, you know, Yoda lives to be almost a thousand years old. Sabine's going to live to be seventy-five. Who knows? Something like that, right? It's a different. Yeah. The amount of the amount of time Sabine has to study, practice, learn, and utilize the Force on a day-to-day -day basis for particular things the more that she practices whatever she's using the force with the better that she will get at it mm -hmm. as will anybody else sure so don't can't i don't know that you can really answer that question because i think it's dependent upon who you're talking about right anakin's anakin's prime is going to look a lot different than sabine's now and, and back in the day before order 66, there were children starting to learn how to do this. Yeah. They would learn at like, you would start to teach them right around. I would imagine the time they could walk Yeah, or yeah, you yeah. Know, speak. So like, 
if you took Sabine, like, so like, here's, a, here's maybe a decent analogy, even though I'm terrible at analogies. <laughs> like, I am certain that Sabine, absent the force, who grew up a Mandalorian, might be taught like Mandalorian martial arts, Mandalorian codes of physical combat. At a it's very, fairly very obvious. Age. Yeah, it's fairly obvious that she is trained in, you know, the use of martial force. <laughs> right. So I would think that for someone like Sabine, who has a, a foundation in something like that, once she becomes like aware of how to utilize the force, pairing that with something that she already is good at would mm-hmm. be where I would go if I was, tra- you know, if, if I was training somebody like Sabine, like, yeah. what are you good at? How do we apply the force to it? Let's try and put these two things together. Like you already have the basis. Like, let's not start. Let's not reinvent the wheel here. That's an interesting yeah. idea. You know, like, I don't need you to be a mystic and like light shit on fire with your head. Hey, but maybe you could jump really high. Maybe you yeah. could run really fast. Yeah. Maybe you can re-energize yourself so that you don't get tired. Mm-hmm. Like those would all be exceptionally excellent things to use the force on when it comes to you. But this is why force users aren't ubiquitous in their talents. That that sort of um that reminds me of the lanterns green green lanterns. lantern and uh red yellow purple all all the different lan- they access yeah. their power differently so it'd sort of be like if the dark fo- dark side wasn't the dark side it's just another way of accessing the force sure you would go there and be like well how's your best way of access like is it through these martial forms that allow you to sort of dip into and then I could do this um, or, or whatever. What's that one? Avatar, the last airbender, that sort of, oh, you know sure. how like each, each school has its own sort of abilities yeah. because of how they access, you know? So then you'd go to Jedi school or whatever and be like, Oh, you go through anger the best. Okay. You got to go over here to the rage right. guys, you know? Uh, I'm glad they don't do that, but that's just what that made me sound like. There are different ways of accessing the force that you are going to be stronger at. Let's tap into those. So then do you think that Ahsoka had done that or that just by her, just by Sabine's natural training and upbringing, that's what she, how she applied it and sort of was able to unlock that piece. I don't, to be honest, I don't know what got her from, being able not being able to touch the force and move the cup to yeah. throwing Ezra, you know, 70 feet across the chasm to the ship so, or whatever. Sometimes it's trauma and sometimes it's needing it, right? Yeah, 100% it is. And like it's like if I don't do this thing right now, something terrible is going to happen and it's on me. There's no one else. I got to do it. Now, and like I think that that mindset lends itself to being like Okay, I gotta lift the the car off the the woman that's trapped yeah. underneath it, or oh, I gotta I gotta run twenty six point two miles to warn all my Greek buddies that the Persians are on their way, and then I right. drop dead because I'm not right. used to right. running twenty six miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could do it one time when I needed to. Like, now, it's that. Sorry. Sure, 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 sure. If you could, put your uh, Tim Foyle hat on for me. Because we're going to get into the part where I think that the force is alive and makes decisions. Right. And is it possible that the force needed 
Sabine to push Ezra. So it just used her as a puppet for its own happenings to achieve that. So we look at this differently. Yes. So I, I'll, I'll tell you how I look at it. Yes. I think the force put those people in a position for something to happen. If it had not happened that way, we, there would be another rebalancing and figuring out what needs to happen in order for the force to move back toward balance, which it's always trying to do. So let's say Sabine doesn't push Ezra. She only pushes him 55 feet. And then we get the ah, like falling sound because it's Disney now, you know, all the way down to the that bottom was, of. I was like Mario. Yeah. <laughs> all the way down to the bottom of, uh, you know, when you hear the splat, no more Ezra. Bridget. Oh, yeah. Thrawn makes it back to the, you know, our galaxy. Yeah. You know, there would need to be something else that happens to check Thrawn mm-hmm. against whatever maybe you know, he's going to do. Right. Right. Or something down the mm-hmm. road, right? Because it doesn't act, it doesn't go fast. It does not. Typically. So the way that I look at it is the force puts people in positions to help it move back towards balance. Consciously, that's something I'm still working on because like R5 blowing a motivator in episode four, like art, you know, to get put R2 in the right spot mm-hmm. lends it, itself really toward your point of view. Right. Like, oh, the force blew the motivator so that R2 would be in the right spot. Right. That seems like a real conscious thing right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's hard for me to ignore that, except that I have 45 years of other examples that I can draw on that aren't necessarily all that either. So, I don't think that the force could sit down and and say to somebody, Anakin, my son, go to the Dagobah system (laughs) or whatever, you know, it's not going to be the force that does that, but maybe somebody, you know, it acts through the force to do that. I like to think that there was an R5 explosion equivalent for like Mm -hmm. the dark side, like Palpatine was just like, (laughs) Uh, Jim called in sick. He would have found me out immediately, but luckily, luckily I had that food poisoning from that yeah. uh, womp rat. So now I'm, you know, leader of the free galaxy. Yeah. When we are better off for it. Thank you for taking care of us. <laughs> I am the Senate. Yeah. Not yet. All right. Good. Good talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode of rebels there we go had to had to bring it back to my mind nailed it it's it's the title of my notes i still struggle with it that's where we're at today so holocrons yeah uh what's his name ezra he was all he was all bummed out because he was a captor in a prison on a on a death star what that was on a star destroyer the yeah. star destroyer all right. all right same same name space robot with the yeah half the same name yeah i got you idea i mean their, na- their names mean the same thing right a death star and a star destroyer yeah. <laughs> i killed the it but i did not destroy it 
is not is not super original in their naming conventions. Yeah. Um he seems to be upset. He's not purposely reaching out to the force, but the holocron is there because when stormtroopers imprison you, they don't take all of your stuff. They just throw you in a cell with all of your belongings. Not real thorough them. Uh, he just happened to be what all angstily reaching out with the force. And then the, the holocron was like, Oh, okay. I, I feel you. I feel force here. So it opened. I- it did. It did open. So I yes. have a I have a different take, right? So okay. In episode seven, when Kylo and Ray are fighting, there's a moment where they lock sabers, and he says, "You need a teacher. You need someone to teach you about the Force." And she says, "The Force," and closes her eyes, and there's a moment of calm. Mm-hmm. And when she's calm and at peace, that's when you can hear the Force talking to you. Basically, like you're in tune with it. Yeah. So when I was watching Ezra sitting in his cell, was he angsty? Yes. Did he calm down and try and mm-hmm. like I think to start to figure out like okay what am I going to do here? He did and unknowingly uses the force. It's like an innate sixth sense sense to people who are force sensitive, and he gets himself in that mindset. He reaches out unconsciously to the holocron. And then you get a you know a recording of Obi Wan Kenobi telling everybody to stay away from the temple. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did. Especially six year olds. All right. Yeah, don't uh, don't come back here. It's no 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 field trips today, kids. Yeah, it's gonna be a minute. Okay, so he unconsciously because just the act of reaching out to the force isn't gonna just always open it, right? That would be very inconvenient. So, <clears throat> My my thoughts are that when you're calm and at peace and you're able to try and try and listen to the will of the force, that's when the force can quote unquote make itself known. It's also like I what I think Obi-Wan describes is like reaching out with your feelings. Yeah. So when Ezra is reaching out unknowingly, yeah because he's trying to calm down and relax to figure out how he's going to get out of this tough spot that he's in. The holocron is nearby. He's reaching out. It senses that it activates. That's the test that Kanan wanted him to pass. I gotcha. And up until this point, like we don't really know that Kanan's Jedi. No, the lightsaber and holocron at the end of the first episode would be a huge clue, but yeah. not necessarily. I, To me, they use the same music for a lot of different kinds of situations now in Star, in Star Wars. So when Ezra was on top of that building and he and Kanan have the moment where they're like, wait, hang on, what's this? Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like look at each other for no good reason yeah when that music plays i'm like that's the force music <laughs> yeah yeah so a little audio easter egg when, yeah when basically like when you hear the music play and then the the two, however many characters are in that situation reacting i'm like <laughs> y'all don't know it but y'all are force sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the music told me so yeah so, yeah so yeah i think that it's that was the first kind of like, it's all right to make this intuitive leap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The lightsaber and holocron were, in my opinion, just like, um, 
yes, we did find this guy next to the body covered in blood holding a knife. <laughs> and he kept saying things like, I didn't mean to stab her that many times. Wouldn't like, you know it? This is pretty close to <laughs> all the evidence you could ever hope to have. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but then they get pinned down. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I watched it a couple times. The re- really cool uh, reveal or confirmation of uh, Ezra just being like, what's going on? I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. And then uh, Kanan is just like, or, 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 or Ezra was like, what's the big secret? I don't understand. And then Kanan was just like, uh, I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. And then he gets up, still sh- blasters firing at him, which I love it. Blasters are firing at him. He's noticeably moving out of the way. Major so then what is the what is the commander of the in charge of the people firing at him do? Everyone stop firing. Now everyone fire along. more right there. Yeah. Like everyone give me a minute. Yeah, they should have totally like Supreme Leader Kylo Ren that and been like, I want every gun that we yeah. have yeah. trained on that. Man. I just so often the bad guys are firing robots or humans. And they're just Whoa, whoa, it's a Jedi, guys. Let's give him a minute. Okay. Yeah, time out. He's got to connect his saber together. <laughs> Which I thought was cool too. Like he's had it on him the whole time, just mm-hmm. in like pieces. Although it was two pieces. Like, like no one's gonna be like, hey, wait a minute. What is that? Is that that thing looks kind of like yeah. 75% of that? You know what? And that looks like kind of 25% of that other thing. I would assume that was a lightsaber if it had that one little piece. Now, but that's on the other side of his belt. So I don't think it is. It's yeah, gotta be something yeah. else can't line up like that that's too easy but yeah so then he gets he put he, he gives him enough time to put his whole uh laser sword together and then he's like all right you got to kill this guy now for real and they don't spoiler yeah it's, it'd be a short-lived but then short-lived show uh we got some wookies here in the in the show in the episode get to see younger ones too which we do see a couple times now mm-hmm. um one of them in the Bad Batch was force sensitive. They're yes. keep, they keep trying to traffic Wookies. You notice this is the second traf- Wookie trafficking in the in the scenario. old canon. In the old canon, yeah, that happened forever. The Trandosians mm. who live in the same system, not on the same planet, but in the same system. Not Kashik, not Kashik, as the Wookies. That's right, Trandosha. Um, That's right. Have this, you know, they're hunters or whatever, and they have uh enslaved and sold wookies in for manual labor forever when the empire came into being it was just like there's not too many wookies left yeah so a lot like you know unfortunately like alderaan you know there were a lot of displaced wookies during and after the empire that Mm -hmm. needed to make their way home because they'd been taken off world and sent to wherever they were making shit. The Death Star, these other huge projects that um, like Starkiller Base, you know. <clears throat> I mean, that's serious. Like, that's like... I know, but not Star Destroyer, not Death Star, but Star, Star Killer. Killer. Yeah, there's a lot of stars. So, plenty of names. So, yeah, okay, so that's something that sort of, con- that theme has continued on then. The Wookiees have a real rough go of it. I mean, they can't just leave them alone. Not trafficking Ewoks so much, I've noticed. 
I guess they prefer 10 foot tall, incredibly strong subjugation over uh, three feet tall rock throwers. Yeah. Um, it's more of a market. Yeah. So it's been the two foot tall, annoying trap setters. Although, he has to work. Although, I mean, they, they, they fucking stay. Stormtrooper helmets on stakes. Yeah. Clearly yeah. probably eating them. So there's an old joke that goes back a super long time that Ewoks are cannibals. A long, long time ago. Yeah. And uh it's it's not true. It's it's just I want to believe. Of, yeah. Yeah. People were like, hey, who's this Boba Fett guy? He sounds pretty cool. Well, let's develop a whole character out of him. Hey, those yeah. little teddy bears, they ate each other, right? Because they had the like they had the helmets that they were using as drums at the end of. Oh yeah. Originally. Yeah. yeah and they yeah. were like, wait, 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 how'd they get those helmets? They <laughs> must have eaten them. And it's like, you can't just take their fucking helmets off and use them as drums, man. I mean, you gotta, right. Go right. Maybe, maybe you're a little into the, well, I like to think that they killed them and took, and that's well, how they, they acquired the armor. Right. One of those other same kind of things like where it was just blown totally out of proportion yeah is that um i don't know five ten years ago now there was this comic book series that was going to take place like in the in the distant future yeah and um we got a flashback to obi-wan fighting this other jedi on tatooine while he was there taking care of luke and he pushes the dude away and it's very clear in the comic book set sketch that like his hand had been severed from his forearm sure and people were like obi-wan blew that dude's hand off (laughs) with the force dude (laughs) that is amazing and i was like i'm pretty sure he cut his hand off and then pushed the dude away the hand being unattached could not follow and everyone's (laughs) like no dude if you look at the panel like the the, like impact point clearly shows like him i'm like dude have you ever i got out my protractor pushing some dude hard enough that it snapped a limb off of his body i mean come on you know so like people just really want to run dark with their thoughts yeah is there a reason that darth couldn't squeeze your heart inside your chest does he have to he can, he can do that right yeah he, can do he that. just doesn't correct i, I mean, would do a, it once i would have to do it at gross. least once with him yeah, i would like go on national tv and be like guys check it out and then no one would ever yeah, Joker just you, right? squeezes Bob, yeah. Bob Murray's heart or De Niro's heart. He's not right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a real power move. I mean, choking one person from across the room also a power move, but yeah. You no sometimes idea. you just gotta let him know. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're just gonna walk through some dirt miners town tracking down your old yeah, boss, yeah. I mean, you, what is the point unless you're gonna snap a neck or two absent-mindedly? as you're doing it just to stoke the fear yeah this ain't even my whole night guys yeah yeah this is like chewing gum for me everybody okay it barely registers as thought actually i could do this and chew gum okay yeah. so not even that hard uh so they save they save the wookies and it's another moment for ezra to receive adulation uh accidentally or not accidentally but like he wasn't expecting it right. And all the Wookiees, because he's just going around 
unlocking cuffs and they're just like, oh my God, you're so great. And he's like, what, what is this? What is this feeling that I'm feeling right now? I mean, he's what, 12 at the time? So 12, 13? that's a good question. I think, I think a good age for Ezra at this time period would be 14 or 15 years old. Sure. That's when they like to really start the narrative, I think. Well, you're right on the the cusp of like going from being a child into being some version of an adult. And you're just past the weird um, puberty, the right. really heavy puberty stuff, right? So we don't have to worry about his voice cracking, although <laughs> it is kind of high, right? Yeah. Although, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the probably the safest place to start, right? Very easy. Yeah. yeah. We've all been there. We can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then one, uh, one fucking guy is chasing a baby Wookiee down a catwalk, very OSHA unapproved catwalk. I have to imagine, uh, there is a railing at least, but it is so small and so many gaps in between, uh, anywho, he's chasing him down. And so Ezra fucking Michael Jordan leaps over him. Yeah from the half court line here his go-to move yeah so he knows by this point that something's up ezra like he's purposefully with his with his midichlorian count um i would you know so at the end of the episode because he's not just like everybody has a 58 foot vertical leap right continue so at the end of the episode there's this moment where He's um, got the either the lightsaber or the holocron, and Kanan's there, and they kind of have this chat. And it's like Ezra's like, "What's the force?" Yeah, okay, you know. So like, I think that that, I think you're describing a situation that leads him to want to ask that question, because it's clearly like, I I have something that not everyone else can do. Yeah, but I don't know what this is, and this is an aspect of the storytelling that we never really get to see much of, which mm-hmm. is that Ezra doesn't know what the force is. He's heard of a Jedi Knight, but he right. doesn't really get it. And he doesn't really get it because he didn't grow up in the temple or live. And he didn't come up in a time frame where the, the temple was relevant to what he was aware of. Yeah. So, this is he's literally the first generation of new Jedi Knights that don't live or having been trained at the temple. You know, and K- Kanan barely got that. I mean, Kanan was Ezra's age when Order 66 happened. Yeah. So. So he probably had a good seven years, though. Well, you know, I'm sure that Kanan came up, you know, in the temple or whatever and like which is great that some of those people like him survived. That's a big deal. Yeah. You at least under, you at least went through that and can relay some of it back to like passing on what you have learned. Yeah. That's why Jedi like Ezra and Luke, you know, and uh, Sabine are different Mm -hmm. than say like a fully trained Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, or someone. It, it also, um, you know, Luke not being able to pull his X-Wing out of the swamp mm. is pretty telling about that, right? Because, like, if you grew up in the temple, you grew up just knowing 
those things were possible. Those things existed, right? Like right. it wasn't, it wasn't just a, somebody selling you it. And then if you told, if you told Canaan, he'd be like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Right. I've seen that done. I have learned about it forever. I know, I know it's a thing. Completely possible. Right. Which is, which is, um, one of the bigger aspects of accessing the force, I think is believing that it can be done. Well, that's exactly what Luke tell or Yoda tells Luke, yeah. right? Like Yoda gets the X-wing out of the swamp, puts it down. Luke literally is stumbling around, touching it. Like it's not really there. Yeah. Has to, has to see it and touch it to believe it. Yeah. Goes over to Yoda. I don't believe it. Yeah. That's why you failed. And like yeah. what you are talking about right now is the absolute definition of what Yoda was trying to get at. That's, uh, I don't, that's not really talked about, but like, that's a huge leg up for anybody that existed during the, <laughs> during the, uh, Jedi temple days, you know? So you're right. And like, but like the thing I'm trying to get to is how much you're right. Cause it's yeah. not just like, oh, this was possible and you didn't understand it. Like that jump from saying like, I grew up like normal mm -hmm. people grow up with the expectation that that stuff is normal. Yeah. And now you're telling me that there's this whole realm of possibility. Yeah. Outside of everything that I've ever been shown, taught or experienced is now possible. How am I supposed to believe that? Right? Like that's the definition of faith. And I feel like, um, <clears throat> That is probably, if I were to venture, I guess, the biggest and most important thing that Sabine learned to allow her to do that. I would say so. When we watch The Mandalorian, there's a moment where the armorer has quested Din Djarin with returning Grogu to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And they talk a little bit about the difference between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. And Din says, well, that's the opposite of our creed. Mm -hmm. You know, we're about solidarity. Yeah. I think, and I, I think it's hard to be both a Mandalorian and a Jedi Knight at the same time. Yeah. Because foundationally they view things in, from an opposite point of view. So for Sabine to be able to access the force and approach it from a mindset where it's like, oh, this stuff is real. This, this can happen. I've been shown, I've been told that I can do it. I need to believe that I actually can do it. Yeah. I think in some real way, she has to expand her beliefs to allow for both of these things to be real at the same time, which is where I think right. we start to see the more Sabine Wrens that we get in Star Wars, I think the greater the understanding of what the Force will be because you have to allow for other points of view. You know, <clears throat> uh, there are a lot of things, I think, being of Mandalorian background that would help her, and I think that there are a lot of things that would hinder her immensely from accessing the Force just because of their god being conflict sure like the idea of struggle through 
destroying somebody like other people like the act of war is their prayer essentially right and like that i mean that as a people i guess i'm not sure what she grew up in but originally up until her sister um shit all over it it was growth through destruction and you cannot grow as a people or as a person unless you are fighting like actually fighting people and having to teach someone to stay calm, stay level-headed, like find the void to access, you know, beyond your, cause I got to imagine with, with war comes rage, right? I have yet to experience a rageless war. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Everything that a Mandalorian does would would I would think lend more, way more to the dark side than uh, the light side. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's why the man Mandal- the Mandalorians worked with the Sith, sure, dark siders, bad guys. They had common ground. Yeah, the Venn diagram lines up <laughs> way better. Yeah, on that side, and that's why the Jedi and the Mandalorians have such a contentious relationship because literally for thousands of years they've been fighting each other yeah now that was a while ago i guess right they've yes. they've since calmed down on yeah. their we need to destroy everything in order to grow as a species the problem with the mandalorians is a lot like the problem with the sith was that like they would come together become a huge yeah. fucking problem for everybody and then everyone else would be like well we can't let this happening otherwise we're gonna just keep getting it yeah. So then yeah. they were like, all right, cool. Here we go. And then there would be some all out conflict. And then the, the Mandalorians would inevitably lose because he always backed the wrong side. And then they would disperse as a people and become yeah. bounty hunters and mercenaries and ruffians and all this other kind of stuff. And what we see in the Mandalorian with the dark saber and Bo Katan and all this stuff is that this is once one more time the Mandalorians have been pushed to the to the brink. And are now recoalescing as a people. Yeah. And they're gonna be they're gonna become a unified group, which will be a threat to a lot of people. Sure. You know? But like it depends on who's in charge. Like I don't see Bo Katan and Axe Woves and Din Djarin leading this group of people to being like, okay, now where are the dark side motherfuckers that are gonna fuck shit up? <laughs> we need to get in right. that that money spends everybody, you know, like we need to get in on that solid. <laughs> yeah yeah um so so ezra he he jumps 50 feet in the air over a guy uses his cool little watch slingshot his his energy slingshot yeah such a kid to uh knock out the stormtrooper but then the other guy I don't know every every um every empire bureaucrat should just wear a red shirt right I just feel like every single one of them is going to die for doing a good job or a bad job at one point right sure yeah. all their days all of their days are numbered uh I also it's always funny to me too like he's on a giant platform right now a giant catwalk platform open it's very windy and scary and he faces one direction, shoots the stormtrooper. He only stuns him, knocks him over the edge, but the dude catches, right? Because you can't have a kid kill an adult. 
Come on. Right, it's all right to knock him off a ledge so long as he doesn't die from the fall. Yeah, yeah. Now he did die. Uh, yeah, I, but that was I not thought that his was kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like first Jedi, sir, and the guy gets a boot to the face about it. And just falls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then Ezra turns around to to assess the Wookiee and is like, you're cool. And then turns back around and boom, there's Empire General. Like he didn't see him 50 feet away walking onto the platform. Yeah. Not a lot of cover on these like endless. No, no. And pointing a gun right at a kid. Also great. Also it's, they're just like, you need to know that this dude is a bad guy, like a really bad guy. Yeah. This is agent Callus. He's a member of the ISB. Okay. Yeah. We got a little familiarity with him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh they're pretty ruthless. Yeah. So and then, but then we get the shot of Ghost, the ghost. Yep. Coming up with uh Kanan standing on the ship. Fucking Jedi love standing on ships, by the way. It's a, it looks heroic. It's a big deal. I mean, it's yeah. not easy to do. I don't do it. No. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. Maybe that's why Ahsoka does it so much. Sabine wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. And so she was like, fine, I'll impress you. Right. Oh, you're out on the you're out on the hull deflecting blaster bolts in space. All right, cool. I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah. It is cool, but then you know, nice little reunion. Uh, what's his name seems to be warming to Ezra. Zeb. Zeb. Yeah. Which is um, always nice. They have like a big brother, little brother kind of relationship. Yeah. Like the the show Rebels is going to explore familial relationships amongst this group. Um, I still kind of have a problem with it when it's like, I can't believe that Hera didn't run up and hug her son Ezra at the end of Ahsoka. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sure they hug guys. Like we just didn't see it. Shut up. And it's he's not her son. Jason's her son. She popped Jason out. That's the difference, you know. And like, yeah, everyone's like, no, no, dude. But they're like, they call themselves family. And I was like, listen, I get, I hear you. I'm with you. It's respect based. I hear. I I'm well. I'm versed in that kind I, of. It's so funny. They didn't show exactly what I wanted, so it didn't happen. And I can't live in a world where it did and I didn't see it. That kind of thinking's been around since the prequels. Yeah. So it's never, it's never going to go away. I mean, like this is what, this is the kind of, like, this is the kind of attitude that when uh, I've talked in the past, I'm like, Oh, you're not really a fan of star Wars. You just love to hate it. <laughs> right. Right. Like in order to be a fan of something, you have to have some kind of like general positivity toward what you're yeah. watching or consuming and you don't. So how can you, I mean, like, is there like why, why a sense of superiority over this thing greater than me? If I can shit on it. Well, I think a lot of people want to feel special, right? And so, like, when when like so when someone like Star Wars Theory or whatever comes out of a video every other week, and it's like, this is why Kathleen Kennedy sucks. This is why the prequels suck. This is why. Well, they just need clicks, suck. right? Well, that's but that's just it, right? So, I mean, yeah. like, whether you're somebody that's like, I actually have qualms about what's going on with Star Wars, or you're just farming discontent, like you're not a fan yeah you know because you have no general positivity toward what you're consuming 
you're just yeah. watching something you don't consume for whatever reason because you liked it once and now you don't or you just need to that's your job which mm-hmm. sucks you know that kind of thing but like i try and i mean like i you know you and i have talked a lot about like don't go into things with expectations mm-hmm. you know and like <clears throat> i don't expect that like we're gonna get mara jade skywalker at any point in the story like luke's wife sounds like the ship has sailed yeah maybe yeah. i don't but i doubt it doesn't look like we're gonna get the yuzhan vong fine with me i'm fine leaving that in the in the old canon but if they included it cool mm-hmm. but like i want new stories that's yeah. why i like the mandoverse because it's yeah, a group yeah. of people i haven't seen before you know that's fun i'm as much for as much fun and as cool stories as like han leia chewy and luke were mm-hmm. i'm like at some point in my life i'd like to see something else yeah so like cool. i think we're, we're gonna get close we're, we're getting close to that right because they're just wanting to wrap up what everyone loved about regular star wars before we can kind of move on i think that i think the problem that the sequel trilogies had was that they wanted to set up a group of people that new fans and old fans could attach themselves to and move forward with a new story. Yeah. And I think that that didn't, didn't work out the way that they wanted it to. I think they got closer with things like Andor and Rogue One and the Mandoverse. And now we're going to be like, okay, we're going to take the the people that watch Clone Wars and Rebels yeah and that's our that's our new demographic focus we're going to use those people because we hooked them when they were young that's a different group of different group of characters that's what we'll do and yet we still have to work in ray and every once in a while somebody else you know so yeah cool fine (laughs) i mean like i don't expect your grandkids to continue to write stories about han solo please no just doesn't doesn't i mean like there's only i remember in the old canon being like if you took all these stories that han and leia have been in together they've got to be like 181 years old (laughs) yeah or they were just busy for years you know and i'm like in this one book it covers like three quarters of a year yeah or something, and yet we have something like ninety-five examples of that. Like you never, you never sat home on a weekend if you were one of these two. You know, like it was one galaxy-saving nonsense to another. They did not chill and watch Great British Bake Off all weekend. That show is so good, for sure. That show is so good. It is, everyone. Watch it. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it successfully my dad yeah i don't know that we've we've never been unsuccessful yeah not really for us to decide but this one i'm deciding i we like did, how did it. the first sentence was one definitive statement <laughs> and the next sentence was the opposite definitive statement spoilers hey, humans are complicated beings true okay i argue with that one if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at mediocreconversations at gmail.com. It's spelled correctly. And may the force be with you. <laughs>